about that time. Episode 71 for the Blurreds, your favorite gaming, anime, and music podcast by your two favorite Midwest Blurreds. Usually, this week, you're stuck with me, Kid Kezo, doing a solo pod to end the year off. Uh, welcome, welcome. Hopefully, this isn't the episode where you realize this pod actually freaking sucks. And you realize you were supposed to be here all along. Let's get it. All right. I don't have too much in the way of music, but I figured a solo pod is a perfect chance to use the intro as a time for y'all to uh, get to know me a little bit. I know we have uh, some people that are later to the pod than others and all that, new fans, whatever. But as much as I wanted this kind of episode to be like a short form thing we did later, with everything going on in my life and the year ending, this is actually not a bad time to do my whole, this is me, this is where I'm at, and uh, this is why y'all should keep sharing the pod and helping us catch our wave, because something that's really important to me is just being part of the community above all else, above all sponsors, above all future shows and sponsored activities and whatnot. It's not that for me. It's definitely more about the community. So with that being said, I'm going to get into my little uh, Who Am I monologue here in just a second. So our song here, Honesty by Billy Joel, one of the few songs that quote unquote was new to me this week, but really it's, you know, a Billy Joel song from a popular album. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to get on here and have a little moment since usually Quan and I do our whole, what have you been up to this week? Uh, yeah. I caught myself in the midst of uh, some very weird internet drama and uh, the useful part of that is not getting into what the hell happened the useful part is telling y'all what it led to and just a moment of clarity uh, for anybody that's dealing with mental health issues and on the fence about what to do next um yeah, I had a moment of realization where one of the best things you can do for yourself and the worst thing you can do for anybody or anything around you that may be uh, negative is to just live. Um, somebody out there that means a lot to them. Um, when you're dealing with anxiety and depression, sometimes it feels like stopping is the answer or like just literally curling up in a ball, hiding, not sorting things out. Uh, but as I've been navigating this recent issue that, you know, maybe slightly affected my home or like just how I feel about myself and all that, I realize for one, it's definitely time to get back in the therapist's couch. So uh, that is something that I'm doing this week is going back to therapy, seeing the doctor that I used to see and try to tackle some um, hurdles that I have, whether it be with self-esteem, existentialism and that crisis of like why the hell am I around why am I alive type things uh, so yeah I have an incredible partner and support system with my friends but there's nothing wrong with constructively planning ways to get better do better feel better and accept flaws um, so yeah I just want to thank the great great people in my group chats and 
the lovely partner I share a bed with. Just thank you all for being here and loving me for who I am. And uh, looking forward to a lot with all of you. And um, yeah, that's enough of that. We'll leave the little mental health topic right there. But then my part two for my intro, just a little bit about me. Um, yeah, South Bend, born and raised, Midwest kid. So if y'all who didn't know or like forgot what episode so we explain where the hell we're from we're both from south bend um yeah i'm the oldest sibling of three kids brother and a sister um <laughs> i think i've done a fair job as an older sibling because my sister's definitely deep in the weeds of watching her own anime and uh playing animal crossing and doing the whole bit so uh, she might not be a podcast person now or, you know, anytime soon. But eventually, when she's deep in her bag, some of these episodes can be like a great callback for her. So I uh, I can't wait for that. Um, but then the other side of my personality, I'm a huge athlete, played football in high school, whole life. Still love to play Madden and cannot wait for NCAA 23 to come out. Um, I will probably not touch grass or see the light of day. When that does come out, I'm deeply, deeply looking forward to that. Um, I know some of you guys are as well. But uh, yeah, big athlete. Uh, my dad actually was a professional soccer player in a past life. Uh, some other brothers carrying that on, playing in college, all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We just love my background, where I came from, and the other sons and daughters of immigrants. Y'all feel me when uh, I say living in America being the first gen kid it's it's uh it's something else so i'm here for y'all in that way uh and i'm also proud of uh, our heritage man um my parents are from malawi but i was born here so uh yeah y'all y'all feel it <laughs> y'all first gen kids feel it um geez where do i go from there yeah big athlete big nerd always been into pokemon animal crossing whilst also playing Def Jam and God of War, listening to Kanye, la-di-da. Y'all know who I am from some of these episodes, but y'all don't, y'all who don't can feel what I'm getting at with that. But uh, yeah, man, uh, really happy to be here, finding ways to enjoy, you know, shonen anime or things of different genres now as an older fan, like growing up with Bleach and, Gurren Lagan and random Cowboy Bebop episodes, it's hard to feel like you can find a way to evolve in this. And then even as a gamer, it's hard to feel like you can evolve sometimes because you see your friends who either like have kids or just lost interest in this space fall off really hard and you start to wonder, is this still something I enjoy? Is this still like a hobby to me or is it just a habit? Should I lessen my gaming or stop? But um. I think a beautiful part in uh, this process now at age 27, I don't question if I still belong in this hobby. I'm actually enjoying how much I come to appreciate games in different ways now. I'm paying attention to the beautiful father-son story in God of War. I'm noticing how great Crash 4's mechanics are and the sound design when, yeah, I grew up with, there's another fact about me, Crash Bandicoot favorite game of all time uh in, in the modern era uncharted so naughty dog has had a hold on me forever but 
yeah, something you come to realize is, um, yeah, you appreciate games in a different way. And so now catching the sound design and crash and other things that even though this is a shoe in for me as a, someone who loved, loved this games now as an adult, I'm enjoying it differently. And I think that's dope. And you should always make time for it your hobbies in some way so even if the kid i used to uh play madden with every thanksgiving with the minute set up to full like 15 minute quarters uh we did that game once a year even though we don't do that anymore in hell even though i skip madden here and there i still love picking up the controller and getting it in every once in a while so yeah uh, I guess I'll kind of get off the, the who am I tip and since I don't really have a lot of music, I will get right into what I've been watching, playing and being entertained by. Hello, my name is Kamal. Aye, aye. I am from the clouds. I'm a human. I'm a human now, but I used to be. I used to be a ranger. Word up. I'm really good at putting words up. I make them levitate and circle with the birds. I don't need to force it. I let it occur. Whatever occurs. Thank you. Feel like I was touched by an angel. Once again, a whole nother angle. I got a lot of holes in my angle. I got a lot of love and a whole lot of ignorance. And that's a good thing if you want to relate. Okay, so hopefully that played long enough. Whatever. Um, yeah. What have I been watching? Yeah, so this week I wrapped up uh, Super Crooks, anime on Netflix, super dope. Uh, if we talked about the art style, it looks just like Great Pretender, but then thematically, if anybody's seen um, Tiger and Bunny or any of those, like, this is our take on superior society, but like with a twist kind of thing, but not... Well, I guess it was on the level of the boys here and there. It wasn't super psychological, but it definitely got uh, really bloody and gross. Yeah, no, nah, Super Crooks, uh, it went there, even as early as episode one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so this show follows the story of Johnny Bolt, a uh, kid who had a rough background and ended up having his superpowers just take form uh, in his early teens. And uh, I guess the world they live in, people's powers, some come, some don't. They didn't drop the whole My Hero percentage of powers thing. Um, but yeah, he uh, has these like electricity powers and he just loves the thrill of doing bad shit. And that's kind of what the show gets into. And he grows up and is, as the namesake, a super crook. And it follows him and his crew doing, uh, you know, small to large jobs, trying to get money. And Johnny wrestles with the inability to just get out of the dang game. Um, so, yeah, it kind of tackles that. And then something that even my co-host Quan mentioned uh, in the text is that the show does a really good job of bringing in concepts about um, the longevity of a prison sentence. Like sometimes when you watch comic movies or maybe even read some it feels like people with superpowers that get caught and go to jail seem to go to jail for an indefinite amount of time but this show actually shows the fact that no you know there's maybe harsher prison sentences for super crooks but 
there also might not be for people that have powers. Maybe, you know, you trying to rob somebody and nobody getting hurt means you're going to go to jail for as long as a non-super powered person doing something bad and going to jail. Like they can have a life afterwards. Uh, so, yeah, the show does really well to highlight that societal difference. Makes you wonder what other kind of like assistance programs they have for power people because most most of the time you just see what type of like security measures they have or punishments but this uh the show did a good job to make me wonder what the heck else is out there and going on um yeah what else did i enjoy uh yeah the combat's good it does get bloody here and there but i think the main part of the story is the crooks aspect of it they are trying to pull off heists um and there's some pretty cool ones. They they use the 13 episodes pretty well. Um, it did enough to make me want a season two, even though it didn't end in a way where it needed to be about Johnny and company. I think season two might be stronger about a whole different group of people. And maybe not even crooks, just super people in this um, universe. But yeah, uh, the crooks part of it is what was highlighted. And that's why not only artistically it's related to Great Pretender, but it just has Great Pretender energy in you seeing the the setup to the heist and their pre-planning and people, uh, I don't know if I want to do this job. Uh, I'm kind of scared. Maybe we should stop. Like those kind of debates and stuff. And it does it with people that uh, can shoot lasers out of their eyes. So that's pretty dope. Um, it introduced a really interesting character. Uh there's a hero named the Praetorian or Praetoriate, something like that. <laughs> Sound like a damn racehorse, but uh, he's a superhero, like long hair, long flowing brown hair, really buff, got a mask on. And, uh, you know, the pretty boy of the, the Justice League type situation. But his powers are crazy. I guess he has like 200 powers and they just rotate. He never knows which one he's going to get, but they like adapt especially when he's fighting they seem to try to counter whatever's going on around him and yeah that seems like it'd be one of the more dangerous powers in shoot any of these shows that we like um yeah so then there's also some slightly political blackmailing that goes on between the Praetorian and another character so yeah this show jams a lot in 13 episodes but um I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's not making you. It's not making you wait for something that they don't tell you is happening the whole time. And that was probably a horrible sentence, but I feel like Tiger and Bunny. I cannot finish it because it seems like it's trying to do a lot without giving me a main thing or two to really, really, really sink my teeth into. But then when you look at um, Super Crooks, it immediately is like, hey. Johnny might be in too deep and that you can just care about that throughout the entire series. I'm like, this is strong enough for me to care about. And you've given me enough backstory on him and given him a love interest. Like, yeah, I can sink my teeth into this. No matter what you show me about characters, it don't matter. People getting their heads blown off. Like, <laughs> uh, I mentioned that because there's a guy whose power, he's called the bastard and he literally just blows people's heads off. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll leave that. 
So yeah, Super Crooks is great. I wouldn't rank it any less than 8.5 out of 10. I don't know what would have took it higher. Maybe some more focused combat. Um, higher consequences for a couple characters. I don't know. They were putting their lives on their line the whole time. I don't know. It was getting close to a nine range, but uh, super enjoyable regardless, man. Um, I'd recommend this to anybody. Maybe somebody who got bored of Tiger and Bunny like me and still wants to see this anti-hero commentary or like superhero society commentary, I'd recommend it. But otherwise, uh, that's that. And as far as just watching in general goes, yeah, yeah, no, Super Crooks is it. And then um, I think next week we will try to do some kind of a, Oh, fuck that. This is my solo episode, man. Hold on. Let me back up. I pretty much been watching Super Crooks, right? That's all fine and dandy. But I think this is a good space for me to just like list off uh, my top five. That's just another good. Here's one of your co-hosts type of uh, news conversation point whenever you uh, get to meet us <laughs> or just add us on an uh, at for the blurs on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, um, this is my current anime uh, top. I don't know. I'll just start reading. These are in this order. So uh, number one, Gurren Lagann. I think it was probably the first anime I remember completing front to back. And I just love the brother relationship between Simone and Kamina and the plot twist, the animation style. The music is incredible. Um and that was just like the biggest comfort food show I have. If I absolutely just need background noise and just something to, you know, that's heartwarming, minus episode seven, that's where I go. <laughs> uh, number two, Full Metal Alchemist. I'm not even going to get into that. Naruto Shippuden, three. Hunter Hunter, four. Yu Yu Hakusho, five. And that's another show I finished like super recently. I think it aged well. It's like 58 episodes or something. But Yusuke and Ember is really dope. I would rewatch this with an updated art style immediately. And I did see rumors and rumblings about that, so I don't know if that's a possibility or what, but that would be awesome. Six, Death Note. Seven, Samurai Champloo. Eight, Naruto. Nine, My Hero Academia. Ten, Fire Force. Eleven, Made in Abyss. And yeah, I'll just leave that on the airwaves for y'all to decipher and debate about and laugh at whatever i'm not going to get into the whys but if anything on there is like an absolute sleeper though and it's uncommon i would say made in abyss like anybody that missed that check it out um i don't know something about the genre of kids being in peril and apparently i love steampunk i just found that out recently going through some things i've watched i guess i'm a steampunk junkie um yeah, news to me, but I'm not mad about it, so <laughs> uh, go ahead and check that out. Oh, let me read some movies off, I guess, that I've seen. Um, and no, this isn't my credentials list. This is just my hopeful suggestion for somebody <laughs> list. I don't give a damn what y'all <laughs> think about my fanhood. Nah, just playing. But um, yeah, let's see. What movies do I mess with? Spirited Away. Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, 
Summer Wars, and Akira. Summer Wars is fire if you missed that. Um, the rest were mostly Studio Ghibli as it is, but uh, worth mentioning again because Kiki's Delivery Service is I think the first anime I've seen ever, not knowing what it was or the can of worms it would unleash on my life. Uh, so yeah, check out Kiki's Delivery Service if you haven't as far as Ghibli films go. And then uh, I was having a laugh with a cousin. We were both talking about how Akira is actually a Christmas movie because we saw it Christmas Eve some years ago. So now I can't unthink of Akira as a Christmas movie when it gets to that time of year. So, um, yeah, I don't make the rules, but make sure you watch that before the holidays. Are up. Uh, not with not with the, uh, you know, the young kids and the family for anybody that just missed it and don't know it's a bloody, gory, creepy mess. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I'm not going to bore you guys with my entire watch list. I'll probably put that on our eventual website. But with that being said, this is the edit point to play just a fire song in general. The um, intro to Gintama, uh, an anime I brought up on here a while back, but, you know, you can only have so much to say about a comedy anime as it is. Um, but nah, this is great. Um, I don't see many comedy anime and I'm probably like 30 episodes in, but no, nah, this is genuinely hilarious and aged well. And it's just casual light poking at some of the genres and, or the tropes, I should say, um, and genres, but you know, doing that without fan service and being like overtly sexual, like they, they did that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go ahead and play Gintama opening one, please. Yeah, this song just absolutely slaps. I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do video game updates. And then from the video games, I'll consider this the Spider-Man spoiler cast. Because we're probably not going to be back on the wave for a while. Um, and it's important we say something about the, you know, the movie of the year, so, yeah, Spider-Man spoiler cast, um, I'm just gonna say it now, we're gonna spoil, or I'm going to spoil Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home, I guess I could try to talk about it lightly first, but, um, yeah, I recently got to see Spider-Man No Way Home, and it was fantastic. I guess I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second, though, and say, you know, I'm not super wild about the era we're in of like, mm, I don't even know what to call it. Like this thing we do where IGN like months in advance to a movie or not even just IGN, but whoever will post like the cast list of a movie and circle a name and say, oh, if he's in here, then that means this is happening and that means this could happen from this comic and this. And I am such a casual comic fan that 
sometimes I just want to be surprised. Like I don't know anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy, for example. So going into that movie with no prior knowledge or whatever was fantastic. I had no expectations. Three out of five of that group could have died, and I, I have no idea. But if that was the case, I'm pretty sure there would have been an article like, here's what you should know about that moment in this movie that's coming out in a year and a half. Like, I don't want to know about that moment. So as time went on with the Spider-Man news and like the rumors and leaks and possibilities of, oh, if this is about Dr. Strange and that means we could see other Spider-Man. And it's like, I get it. I get it that we're leaning there. But as soon as we lean there, people lean too hard. Then there's images of Andrew Garfield on set that don't look like the other movies. Then there's, I don't know. You know, some things were inferred and confirmed in certain ways. And at some point when Willem Dafoe is part of the the press release and the outlets and the the preview clips and all that, you know, you can infer it to some degree. But there's something not as... Um, raw as I wanted the moment to be when the other Spider-Men joined the movie. Like it was like such a victory, but then also it was like, well, as much as we all ruined this for each other and set this high expectation on Twitter, it kind of sucks. This wasn't as raw of a moment as it could have been. Um, Yeah. So Beyond that, I do really appreciate what this movie did for this sort of trilogy in the post-Avengers Civil War era. Um, Spider-Man is my favorite hero, and I will say I wasn't a fan of this whole, like, Mr. Stark Jr. era, Peter. It's not really someone I... Obviously, you didn't grow up on that. Um, With the cartoon, with the early 2000s movie like nothing about spider-man or even andrew garfield who i expected a third movie from it would have enjoyed um this whole like i'm mr stark's understudy era is just like meh like i can get it in spurts but i don't need this to be how he defines himself and it became that and i wasn't wild about it but what no way home did was not only bury the Mr. Stark era, I wouldn't say six feet deep because I'm sure he's going to be sad next movie about everything. But, you know, they put the Mr. Stark era to bed because this guy literally had a machine that can make anything. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not the Peter Parker I know. Do I want him to get there? Sure. He can get old and rich and smart and build crazy shit. That's cool. But I need my dude to be broke as hell, lonely, selling pizza and trying to hopefully get a date. That's that's who I've come to know and love. And this movie buried Mr. Stark, gave birth to broke, sad Peter. And not only that, but this movie just went there. Like seeing Tom Holland, like cut, sweating, bruised with like flames around him and with a murderous look in his eye, like in the orchestra playing and whoo i was like yes this is what i need emotional just like torn confused resentful just all that uh, they wrapped that all up and man like there's just no better like 
pat on the back than from the predecessors of the person who wore that mask, right? Like, no better send off. Um, yeah, I even enjoyed the combat. Uh, I didn't expect to really appreciate like some of the hand to hand combat that was combat that was in there. I was thinking maybe they would get more into the spider aspects of things, kind of like they. I don't know if you know. Some of you may have seen there was a video highlighting what was really good about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And he uh, was arguably the most spider-like in some of his combat and strategy. And I thought that was... Sorry, my cat is being really awesome right now. Um, Yeah, uh, they highlighted Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man being like a combat expert and like webbing things and crawling around things and webbing them and all that. And it was nice to see Andrew kind of sprinkle into that way. But, um, yeah. Oh yes. Combat. My bad. Sorry. This is, this is awful. Anyway. Um, yeah, the combat early on when he had, um, his spider legs out of his back and then doc Ock had his, tentacles and they were, he was using them to block and roll and all that stuff I was like man this is truly a different era and I love that it's Doc Ock who is fresh off of that other version of New York <laughs> thought Peter got an upgraded suit probably like a day later like where did Peter get this extra ability but he also didn't flinch either to like admire it he's just like hey alright alright you know, got some new tech. No big deal. This kid's this kid's smart. He could have figured this out overnight, I guess. Uh, I thought that was crazy. Um, yeah, all the like universe moments of like, I knew something was weird here. Like Electro literally feeling the power in this space is different. And I feel like he's unknowingly just connecting how magic works or what magic might feel like in the other universes and all that. And I don't know for those of you that wonder like this movie just was full of wonder like what is going on and the other sides of people whose paths were supposed to cross kind of sorta or they always meet these certain points on the on the timeline they're always going to interconnect like I liked it you know even though the words weren't exact each Peter heard the with great power comes great responsibility each Peter experienced loss of a loved one each Peter experienced just being broke lonely and downtrodden and Tom Holland gets to start that off <laughs> with a fresh uh fresh coat of paint and no sexy Aunt May. It's crazy. <laughs> um Yeah. I wish you guys could like hear the music that's playing in the background. This is the only thing holding me down from not feeling completely awkward having this solo moment. But those of you that are close to me know I'm the king of rambling these days anyway, so uh, yeah, what else did I enjoy about Spider-Man No Way Home? Yeah, I think for me, as a, I'm sorry, as a purist, I think at the end, Peter just having to get his own apartment and being broke and lonely and it's cold outside. I don't know why, but that made me feel good for the future of what this character can be and is going to be. Uh, play Astro Thunder by Travis Scott as my uh, transition back from that two second break. Ooh, this podcast sucks. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel good about the future of Peter Parker. 
now that he's broke, sad, and lonely. Um, I love the introduced Venom. I don't know if they should lead in with Venom on the next Spider-Man movie. Like, lean into the fact that C- Peter's broken and have him get caught up in the Venom thing and maybe do some things out of anger and spite that he shouldn't. And maybe he even tries to tell MJ that they already know each other. And then he goes about it the wrong way and he just looks crazy and pushes her further away and the Venom has him fucked up and then he does a Tobey Maguire style dance to nod to that character and we move on. Like, how cool would that be? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. No Way Home was fantastic. Um, Some people were commenting on how flat Tobey Maguire was and I don't know. It feels like they like took the old dog out of the shed to like they used to do like halftime shows and now he's just like a big chubby dog who don't really catch frisbees the same and you know you just throw it half as far and he'll still catch it but if you threw it the regular distance he might pop a <laughs> pop a you know, disc in his back whatever Toby did feel like that but it's like again just clap for him man he could have said no and then it's like what's the point of having him fully masked and you hear Toby's voice or it could have been so awful. So I'm happy he showed up, but Andrew used his 15 minutes. Well, cause he's, he still felt like, Hey, I could be doing this now. I could have been doing this. I could be five movies deep as Spider-Man. I still got it. I got the, the fake New Yorker in me. Yeah. Andrew was excellent. Um, Cool. I think uh, as far as just not having someone to bounce ideas off of, this is probably as good as um, Spider-Man talk might get. So I will move on from there. Let's see. Oh, man, I thought I had a song to uh, transition there. I do not. Okay. What's it get into? Oh, uh, yeah, I've been playing... I've been playing Pokemon Brilliant Pearl or Shiny Pearl, whichever one is Pearl, uh, the remake of the 2006 game. And as stressful as life has been and so much of wild shit going on, Pokemon has felt like such a good, first of all, a good release from the hold that Apex Legends has on me. I feel like I'm back to life, back to reality. Um <laughs> Like, the Apex itch is hard to to not scratch, you know. But no, Pokemon Pro's been really fun. I'm not mad about the presentation style. It feels like the old game, but, like, lightly glossed over with a different brush, and I'm cool with that. And for anybody who's actually played, I just got past the, um, the secret underground caves or whatever. Like, I'm at that part where you're about to meet the second gym leader or something in a cave, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, no, the presentation's good. I'm not mad that the battle backgrounds aren't like way more detailed. I don't think I needed that from this game. And I think I'm just far enough removed from this game to enjoy that um, I've already played it. Like If I played Pokemon Emerald today, I would remember every single thing and every single nook and cranny and part of the map just because I played that game so much and it's the best Pokemon game of all time. Argue with your auntie. Um... But yeah, if I played Emerald, I would memorize everything. Nothing would be fresh 
while I still enjoy that story, um, Pokemon Pearl, I'm just so removed from it. And I guess at the time it was so fine, not great, that it feels like a new adventure for me now. My larger complaints come from the lack of a challenge. It is um, way, way, way too easy in general. Like when you're facing trainers who use like string shot and defense curl over and over instead of like actually attacking you, even when they have the type advantage, it's kind of a shame. It's like, why am I playing this game right now? Should I move on to other RPGs that are, oh, I don't know, challenging? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that part of it. And then, you know, as a 90s kid, you kind of feel ashamed having the X EXP share just being, um, you can't even toggle it off. So for anybody that doesn't know, Pokemon games typically, when you fight, or when the Pokemon fights, they get experience. Whether it be a single battle or two Pokemon out at once, they will get experience for fighting. The games introduce this thing called the EXP share, which is like a belt that a Pokemon that's not fighting can wear. And they will also gain a percentage of the experience from the Pokemon that actually battled. So if there's something, a Pokemon in your party that's super weak, this is how they like get strong. This is their fake, you know, training and this is their hyperbolic time chamber like it speeds up the process while they're not doing shit um yeah so the recent games have turned exp share from a belt that one pokemon can wear to an invisible belt that all your pokemon wear so they're always it's actually like imagine if you're your character is wearing a belt that like feeds energy into all your pokemon it's kind of what exp share is now and it takes away the challenge of i don't know how many more people i can actually fight or how much longer it'll take to train this one pokemon but i know i want to train him it's taking that grind out of it and you think someone like me who's already played this when i was in i don't know eighth grade whatever that was and it was a challenge at that time and I'm just replaying it now as a 27 year old. Maybe I should be thankful I'm not grinding this out when this is just a game to relax to. But I should at least have the option to turn that off and just, you know, get right. Um, but yeah, I have no complaints really. It's a great game to turn on to when I'm just needing to kick back, you know, and I plan to hopefully finish it quickly during the holiday break coming up here. Um, yeah, sorry to anybody that like has all these nitpicky things about it. I'm not mad about it. But I will say, though, as someone who's interested in the competitive side of Pokemon, I think, depending on how the battle frontier is in this game, this might actually drive me back to playing um, Shining... No. Pokemon Sword and Shield. Because one of my friends... Uh, shout out to Marcus, friend of the show. Um, Marcus with a K. He... Uh, was kind of breaking down why it's smart for competitive play to still be using um, Sword and Shield's rosters and all this. And I don't know, I like those perspectives. So, any other friends of the show who have like nitty gritty details about like a certain anime studio that needs to pick up a different project or just details on how manga artists get paid or just really nitty gritty story. Um, 
or even something about game development. Like, just let us know so we can continue to share information. I know there's like hardcore fans that come here for some chill, casual perspectives, but I do like the conversations around those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, feel free to bring those types of things to our attention. Yeah, we greatly appreciate that. Um, Jeez, gaming, gaming, gaming. Um, Go ahead and add for the blurs with some suggestions of what I should play next because I've been one foot in, one foot out on finishing Deathloop, Horizon Zero Dawn before the um, the new game comes out. I feel like I'm more than halfway through Watch Dogs 2 and I'm enjoying that, so that might be on the slate. And then I'm debating on Assassin's Creed Odyssey, getting back into that. So if you made it to this point in the episode and at me with an update, shoot, we'll send out free for the blurred stickers to you. <laughs> there's there's our first promotion. <laughs> if you made it this far, <laughs> we will get you some stickers of uh our two the the head logo. But uh yeah, no, nah, that's pretty much my gaming update going through the um the backlog and whatnot. Cool. And at that point Oh man, what is my transition song right here? I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Metal Wings, Kenny Mason, play that right there. He's probably not going to add any of these edit points. I just sound like a madman. Hmm. Okay. I think I'll just leave you guys with one last. Oh, a couple like non-anime show suggestions and reviews and thoughts because I'm trying to keep this at an hour and I'm actually at like 43 so we're doing great um yeah I've been watching Succession on HBO Max and I think it's honestly the greatest show on TV right now the greatest show I've seen since Breaking Bad also um debate your auntie on that as well uh yeah it follows this family the Roy family, super rich. They run like a media empire in the U.S. And I can't think of like what company they or like what family they're trying to make fun of because they own like Fox News. They have like cruise ships and they have a what is it called? What is the last piece of their puzzle? Oh, they have theme parks, like Six Flags type shit all across the the world, it sounds like. So, yeah, they're just this rich family in the U.S. that just has a ownership over a lot of things. And they're having trouble figuring out how to stay profitable because TV is dead. <laughs> and their dad, Logan, does not understand that. He doesn't understand podcasting and TikTok and new shit. And his siblings, not siblings, his children, you know, they're grown. Some of them work for the company and they're trying to, hey, dad, we should invest in this. We should do this. We should do that. So a whole lot of dirty business dealings and like them also trying to figure out who's next in line to take over for their dad. That's where the title succession comes in. They think Logan's dying. Everyone thinks Logan's dying. The investors the workers like anybody you can think of is like um what's about to happen next not only in what they do with their money but who's in charge and uh kendall connor siobhan and uh roman 
the kids are fighting over how much involvement they want, how much money they should get, who should get the rights to CEO and all this. And there's a lot of one upping and foul play and just smear campaigns, all that. And family secrets, family drama, love life drama, investors, beefing, all that kind of stuff. Then you mix in some extremely, extremely quality humor and social commentary, and you've got the best thing on TV. Everybody in that show is a trash bag, and I think the show makes you root for certain trash bags while hating all of them. And, yeah, you just got to see it. Um, It's fucking fantastic. And then another um, HBO Max suggestion is uh, Love Life. I don't know how much it's required to, but season two was good on its own and it made perfect sense. There is a season one, but uh, I don't know. Season two is starring a black dude going through a divorce and figuring out how to be single and move on and blah, blah, blah. Ten episodes of this dude just absolutely going through it, uh, trying to, you know, date pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic. And, well, I guess we are still mid-pandemic. So, yeah, this dude trying to date these past couple years after being in a serious relationship. And it's, uh, it's pretty raw. I think the dialogue is good. Um, nothing ever feels cheesy in some of the dialogue. It, it feels like these things have happened, could happen. I related to a lot of things. Um, yeah. Love life season two. Absolutely. Check that out. Real easy watch. And there's one character from succession who's in there. And that same dude is also in Spider-Man. So shout out to dude, man. I don't care to look up his name right now, but I literally just saw him on every screen in my house and then left the house and saw him again. So get your money, man. Um, Yeah. I'm going to call it a pod there, actually. I think uh, think that's all I have for you guys. Please, please, please continue to share the blurbs. Thanks for putting up with my nonsense for this half-size episode. Um, and this is where I would like Quan to play this song by Sakana Action. Sakana Action. I don't even know how to say it. Or the title of the song because it's Japanese. But uh, it's been great, guys. Next time I'll actually have a whole DJ set and we'll just jam out. But until then... Awkward pauses and all. Random break. This has been episode 71 of For the Blurts. Appreciate y'all. Peace.